This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. You know, we, like two weeks ago, we started, you know, having different people read scripture to get the message started out, and they started out about this tall on you. And um, I asked them when they were that tall, um, you guys want to preach the message? And I got two no's and a maybe, right? And I turned in the green room. I'm like, hey, Aiden, you, uh, you want to read the scripture and preach the message? He's like, sure. <laughs> I was like, way to go, dude. Way to go. Way to go. This is awesome, though. Um, Aiden Mitchell, um, you, you serve in uh, some different ministries, though. Like, what do, what do you do? What do you do around here? Uh, I play drums for youth and up here. Yeah, so you are the man in the cage making all of this happen for us, and we love that about you. Thank you for being in high school and loving the Lord, serving the Lord with your gifts, talents, and abilities. Uh, We love you for that, man. Thank you so much for doing that, all right? Come on, give it up for him. Thanks. I, uh, I love, thank you, Trevor, I love seeing the next generation serve the Lord, amen? I mean, come on, man. And um, that's just who we are. We are a church that we, we don't want to just like silo the next generation. Uh, we, want, we want to promote the next generation. Uh, we, want to be a, we want to be a congregation that is known for, in our future, having raised up future Christian leaders. Uh, that's part of Kingdom Builders. And so there's, there's a great example of our heart at work right now. All right, so look, uh, hopefully you've got your Bible with you. Um, or you've got your cell phone that has like a library of Bibles. Um, you might even have uh, concordances. I don't know what you got on your cell phone. Uh, you, you might have more biblical tools than I have, okay? Uh, but you need to have your Bible. Um, you're going to want to just kind of like walk with me a little bit, you know, through this. Uh, you're, you're probably going to want to have some, something to take some notes on. And that's where I would highly encourage you to use the YouVersion Bible app. And the reason for that is if you use it, then you can click on the three little dots. You can go to events. You can find the Kearney campus, the North Platte campus, the Ogallala campus. You can use it if you're watching online as well. And um, there I put my sermon notes. But the, the really important thing is that in my sermon notes, there are moments when I make a point that you can actually type in and add your own thoughts to it. And here's the beauty of it. Then you can hit save And you can keep that thing all week long if you want to. Uh, So how can you make Sunday, okay, not just be 
an hour we spend together, how can you make it something where God can use it to speak to your life throughout the week at multiple moments? Use the YouVersion Bible app, okay? Or bring a journal and write down thoughts. I don't care how you do it. Do it analog, do it digital, it doesn't matter to me. Just do it, right? Because we're not just here to fulfill a religious duty, we're here to get to know who Jesus is so that through him and his presence, he can change our lives, amen? All right, that's where we're at. So look, in this passage, this passage, we're, we're here, we're, we're promised now the, the birth of Jesus, right? And now we are at the Sunday before Christmas. We're continuing on in our series, Christmas Isn't Canceled. And the reason why Christmas can never be canceled is because why? Man didn't start it, right? Man didn't start it. So you can't cancel Christmas, but what are we to do in the waiting? What do we do in the in-between? We've talked about this for two weeks. We're going to talk about it again this week, and then I'm going to wrap this series up next Sunday, right, this, the 26th. I'm wrapping up this series. So if you're listening to this message today, definitely join us. If you can't be here in person, join us online and uh, be a part of it. A new baby brings a lot of excitement. How many of you guys at all of our campuses would put your hand up and say, hey, look, I'm a parent, okay? I'm a parent at, at some capacity. Okay, there you go. I'm a parent. So you know, you know what it was like to have that, that first child. You remember that? You remember the excitement of that first child? You, you remember how by the second or the third that all changed? But that first baby, I mean, just look at that picture. It just makes you want to go, Oh, that's so beautiful. And then there are some ladies right now that are going, we should have another one. And there's, and there's men right now that are cursing me right now. Like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Uh, but man, being a new parent's exciting. Um, even when you have your first one, you're getting ready to have your second one, even the siblings that can figure out, right, if there's enough distance in time. They get excited about this new brother or sister that's coming. If you're a grandparent, you really get excited about new babies that are showing up, right, in your family. Because you know you get to spoil them, but they don't live in your house. Well, most of the time. Sometimes they come back to live in your house. All right? And it's, it's okay. It's all right. It happens. But even the labor pains get, get exciting, Right, you remember that first, you remember the first, uh, for us, we had four kids, okay? The labor pains actually got more exciting on kid two, three, and four because once, once Kim said, look, it's time, the time always got shorter, right? And uh, by the time the fourth one comes, I mean, you, you just like floor it. You don't even care, like stoplights, stop signs, police cars, doesn't matter. Like, just floor it and get to that hospital. I remember when uh, our son Andy was, uh, was being born, and it was in the middle of the night. I don't know why. In the middle of the night, right? It's not like, hey, it's at lunchtime. Uh, what are you doing? It's at 3 o'clock in the morning. Hey, um, it's time. Let's go. And we were in St. Louis, and we had to get all the way to Scott Air Force Base in Illinois. And I just remember, man, we were booking it, and we were flying. And I got pulled over uh, by a police officer. And when you get pulled over by a police officer, you think you've got the golden ticket. My wife is having a baby. And you know his first response is, sure, right? Because he's like, I've heard that one before. Like, you're going to get out of the car. You're going to walk this white line. I mean, this is 3 o'clock in the morning, and you are booking it, right? So we get it. Like, there's excitement about, about having a baby, even in the midst of racing to the hospital and your wife telling you, it's time, but a baby, a new baby also brings about a lot of changes, 
a lot of changes. Some of them are amazing. Others of them are frightening. And many of them are just challenging. I mean, that first child can turn your world literally upside down. And you just get into this crazy spot where you're experiencing things you have never experienced before. Your sleep gets interrupted, right? Your finances are different. Um, your free time is taken, right? I mean, just your life just gets turned inside out like this guy on the screen, right? But you also, you learn a lot of new things. You learn how to change a diaper. Man, wasn't that a good little thing to add to your resume, right? You learn how to feed a baby. You learn how to burp a baby, which I don't know about you, but why in our adulthood did that stop? I don't know why that stopped. Sometimes I need that still, right? Burp, burp the baby. Um, you learn how to hold. You remember like learning how to hold an infant? I don't know about you, but it just, I mean, I get it. Like ladies, I think it comes more natural to you, but for us guys, we're just like, are we going to crush this thing? Or is this baby going to jerk and fall out of our arms? We don't, I mean, you've got to learn. you got to learn how to caress, how to hold an infant. But there's nothing like that infant just laying there on your chest, falling asleep. I mean, it's just a beautiful moment. And when parents have planned for this, when parents have planned for the pregnancy, it seems like maybe some of the changes, some of the newness, some of those things maybe are just a little bit easier. Not much. But when they made a plan, then it can be a little easier. But when the pregnancy is a surprise... That brings a whole new list of challenges. And that's where we find ourselves in this passage of Scripture. I mean, if you go back to the passage and you just read it for face value, what it is, I want you to check this out. Mary and Joseph, they were having an unplanned pregnancy. That's what it was. It was unplanned. Right? They hadn't set it up. Right? They, they hadn't even like, been married yet. Um, they've got an unplanned pregnancy, and the virgin Mary is now pregnant with this like supernatural pregnancy by the Holy Spirit. It's not even Joseph's baby. So they've got an unplanned pregnancy that's not even Joseph's baby, right? And so how is Mary even going to handle this? I mean, just put yourself in her shoes for a minute and try to get inside of her heart and get inside of her mind. What thoughts are racing through her mind? She knows what went down. She knows who she is. She knows where she's been. But now, supernaturally, she's pregnant. How am I going to tell my parents? Or how am I going to tell Joseph? And what is Joseph going to think? Because, look, I've seen other women who were pregnant, not by their husband. Mary's got to be thinking this. She's got to be thinking, like, what's going to go down She's stirred in her heart, I guarantee you, with raw emotions of rejection and the fear, the fear of being left, right? The fear of being abandoned, the fear of being a single mom in her culture. And then when Mary finally tells Joseph, what does Scripture tell us? It says this, that Joseph, he decided in his heart, basically, I'm going to walk away from this relationship and I'm going to do it in a way that honors her. That's what he decided in his heart. But what I love about this passage is that it comes right back, though, in verse 20, and it said this, as he considered this, he made up his mind, I'm going to leave her. I'm going to walk away from her. I'm going to do it in a way that honors her, but I'm, I'm walking out of this thing. Like, something's fishy here. I can't put my finger on it. I'm out. Adios, amigo, right? I'm gone. 
But then as he considered this, you know what that tells me? It tells me that in all of our lives, when we get faced with circumstances and situations that we can't quite put two and two together, we can't quite figure out, our emotions get engaged. And we come to quick conclusions. How many of you guys have ever come to a quick conclusion on something, you took action on it, only to discover somewhere down the road you knew, now you look back, you're like, I was completely wrong. I didn't have all the data. I didn't have all the information. I was just acting on raw emotion. That's where you see Joseph. Joseph acting on this raw emotion, and he's going, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to walk away. But then as he considered it, what was happening as he was considering it? These kind of thoughts were probably racing around in his mind. Like, what will other people say when they find out the baby's not even mine? Right? He's probably thinking about his dreams, and he's going, man, we were just going to get married. We were going to enjoy a couple of years together. We were going to travel. We were going to do our thing, and then now there's a baby, and my dreams are being crushed. The embarrassment that maybe he was thinking of, you know, people finding out that, you know, Mary's pregnant before they ever even got married. I mean, what kind of thoughts are going through his mind? And then what happens when the secret gets out and people find out the baby's not even mine? And how in the world am I going to tell my parents that this is okay? And then for sure, how am I going to talk to her parents? How in the world is that going to go down? Listen, I don't know about you, but I can put myself in issues a little bit. I mean, when our oldest daughter, Brittany, was born, Kim and I, Kim and I, we became pregnant. And I say we, purposely, we became pregnant before we ever got married. And I remember having to go and talk to my parents and having to go and talk to her parents, right? But at least I knew, hey, this baby that's being born, it is mine. At least I knew that. But that was difficult enough as it was to start out life that way. And here they are, and they're having to wrestle with that. But what happens? God in his faithfulness, God in his amazing grace and his incredible love, he shows up to Joseph in the midst of a dream. He tells him very clearly, hey, Joseph, this is your son. Uh, this is my son. I'm giving it to you. I want you to raise him like he is your, your son, though. right? And here's what I want you to do. I want you just to know that he's going to save the world. So give him your best, right? I want you to know, Joseph, that this baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary is a faithful, godly woman, right? Your son is fulfilling prophecy from hundreds of years ago that was written about in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. You have a really, really special son, Joseph. He came from me. And I want you to manage it. I want you to lead it, right? I'm putting you in charge of this earthly journey of my son. And when Joseph woke up, what I love about this passage, again, just look at it for face value with me. When you look at this, Joseph, he woke up, and what does he do? He immediately obeys God and starts to honor Mary. Guys, that is an incredible quality that all of us need. When we're put in a situation that is beyond what we can understand, it's maybe beyond what we think we can comprehend or even lead through or live through, 
We need to know that God is completely in charge. He is completely in control. And that we are obedient to him. He can help us walk through the deepest waters you've ever walked through. He can help you overcome some of the greatest obstacles that you've ever had to overcome. And I love that about Joseph. Joseph wakes up and he immediately stops making excuses. He stops considering his idea. He changes gears 180 degrees and he starts following God's plan. He doesn't second guess it. He just allows God to be the leader, and he walks out this amazing journey, and it was by incredible faith. So the pregnancy and the birth of Jesus brought change, radical change, to Mary and Joseph, just like Jesus keeps bringing radical change to this world. And while Mary and Joseph waited for the birth of Jesus, things were messy in that time. They were just messy. Emotions were all over the place. Faith was being tested. Relationships were being tested. Loyalty was being tested. They had to learn to surrender a lot through that whole time. And just like Jesus stirred up the life of Mary and Joseph in their waiting, he will stir up your life and my life in our waiting. And while we are waiting in this in-between, in-between what? In-between the first coming and the second coming of Jesus. While we are waiting... Just like he stirred up Mary and Joseph, he wants to stir up you. Here's one of the ways he wants to stir you up. In the waiting, Jesus demands to be number one. Demands it. I want you to think with me again. Like what happens when a newborn baby is introduced into a home? Okay, first child. I want you to go back to that moment. What happens? Here's what happens. That baby immediately becomes the center of attention. It's like the baby is what everyone talks about. If anybody comes over to the house, they're coming over to the house to see the baby. Not you anymore. The baby becomes the center of attention. The baby starts to decide what's going on in this house. The baby is the one who becomes the new leader in the house. Instantly, the baby's like, no, you will not sleep now. Yes, you will change my diaper now. No, we will not be going over to your friend's house for dinner. Right? I mean, the baby, deci- the baby is the one who decides. You will go back and change your blouse to a different shirt. Because I decided that there were some things in me that needed to come out of me. The baby. The baby becomes the center of attention. They decide what's going on. They're in charge. And when Jesus comes into your life, guess what happens? He becomes the center of attention. He becomes the voice for your direction. He becomes the new leader. And if that's not happening in your life, Jesus isn't living in you. When a new baby shows up, that's what happens. That's what happens when Jesus shows up. I want you to listen to what John the Baptist had to say about Jesus, the Messiah, who was to come, as he's the proclaimer of the Messiah to come. In John chapter 3, verse 30, he says this, He, being Jesus, he must become what? Say it with me. Greater and greater. And I must become what? Less and less. It's way more than putting Jesus first in a prayer called salvation. It's way more than that. That's why I say to you, if Jesus isn't the one directing the shots, if he's not the one at the center of the attention of your life, if he's not the leader, then we've we've missed something along the way. Because following Jesus and having him be number one is way more than making one prayer at one point in your life and saying, God, 
I recognize Jesus, You're, you are the Son of God. Forgive me my sins, I want, you, I want to follow you from this day forward. No, John the Baptist is teaching us a brand new way to live. And the new way to live is this. He must become greater and greater in me, and I must become less and less. And while we are waiting in this in-between, this is what should be taking place in our life. But the good news is this. You can't do it on your own. So what did the, what did the Father do? He goes, look, I'm bringing, I'm bringing Jesus back to the right hand. He'll, he's coming back a second time. Don't worry about that. If he came the first time, he's coming the second time. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's role is going to help you to become less and less so that I can become greater and greater. That's what his role is in your life. I just want you to stop for a minute and think back. Think back. Go 10 years back if you need to. All right? If you've been following Jesus for 10 years, go 10 years back. And if you can look 10 years back and you can go, wow, look at where I am in my relationship with God now. If you're amazed at where you are and your understanding of Christ, your relationship with Christ, your revelation of Christ, then you are walking out what John the Baptist was saying. He is becoming greater while you're becoming less. But if you look back five years ago when you first gave your life to Christ or whenever that was, if you look back and you don't see the change, that I would say this to you, he's not becoming greater and greater, and you, you aren't becoming less and less. Guys, this is a lifelong journey that we're on here. This is, there's, never, there's never an arrival where finally I've become little and he became big. It's a constant journey. There's a constant battle mentally, emotionally, physically. It, doesn't, it never ends. But I just want you to know this, like a newborn baby, comes in and says, I'm in charge. Jesus comes also into the heart of the follower, into the believer, and goes, okay, now will you let me be the leader? So in this in-between, Jesus demands to be number one. But also in this in-between, Jesus says this, look, I, I will do something. I want to change your priorities. I want to change your priorities. I want you to consider like, a, like when you knew you were pregnant and a new baby was showing up, didn't it change your priorities? Didn't it change the way you spent money? It better have, right? Or the nursery wasn't ready. Right, you gotta get the nursery ready. I don't know what that meant for you, but there's new paint that needs to go on the walls all of a sudden. Maybe some new carpet that has to go down. A crib's gotta be purchased, right? A changing table might have to be purchased. Um, a, a diaper bag has to be purchased. And let me just tell you from experience, those are not cheap. And they look a lot like purses. And then you end up with like, you need a lot of them. And so you know where I'm going. All right. You got to have that. I mean, you, there's little clothes that have to be purchased. There's that little thing. I forget what it's called. What is that thing called that hangs over the crib that spins and makes noise? What's that called? Okay, yeah, right. You know, you got to have something like that, or you're just not, you're not a good parent. You know, I mean, there's this list of things that you got to do, and they take money, right? And priorities start to change. You, you possibly have to get a new car. I remember when we went from three kids to four kids. People asked me, well, man, like, what's it like to have four kids? I go, well, you just don't get to drive cool cars anymore, right? Because three kids can fit in the back seat, but now you got to drive a minivan. 
okay, because you got four kids. So things change. You might have had to like move out of the apartment and get a house. You might have had to sell your little house and get a larger house. There's priorities that change. Some personal desires get put on hold. No, you no longer can keep building the muscle car. The muscle car has got to be sold. No, you can't get the motorcycle now because you got another kid. That's got to go. Those are just personal experiences. <laughs> I don't know what yours were, okay? I, I just don't, I have no clue what yours were. But those are just my, my stories. You know, waiting, so that, those change. Waiting through the pregnancy, it changes your habits. I've watched people stop smoking because a baby's coming. Stop drinking because a baby's coming. Change their whole health idea. They, their sleep changes. Exercise changes. The way they eat changes. You start to consider the baby that's growing on the inside more than yourself. And this is just what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally around a human baby that's being born. So while we live in the in-between, in-between the first and the second coming, let me just tell you this, Jesus is actively working on changing our priorities. Jesus is the one who said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He said, look, about priorities, seek the kingdom of God above what? All else and live righteously. And then look what he says. And he, he will give you everything that you need. Notice that in this in between the first and the second coming that you and me live in right now, notice the priorities that Jesus is wanting to change. Jesus said that he, he wants to change the priorities in your heart to be more focused on God and God's kingdom than you and the kingdom of self. He wants to do that. Is that happening in you? And if not, it's a, it's a point of prayer, right? Is my, am I living for me and my kingdom, or am I living for you and your kingdom? And, and what's the evidence of it, right? Just like the evidence of having a newborn baby, and you look at the checking account, and you're like, holy cow, a lot of money, right? I'm not even talking about the doctor's bills, right? You can go, and you can look at it. You can physically look in the garage and go, it's a minivan, officially, Right? You can go and you can physically see these things when you look at your personal life and you go, you know, am I really truly living for the priorities of the kingdom of God? What is the evidence that you see? Not the evidence that you see that you're going to boastfully tell others about. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the evidence that you see in your life that you can go, the kingdom of God and his priorities are becoming number one in me. Here's one example. And just grab a hold of those things and hang on to them for a moment. Jesus also said this. Here's another priority that's got to change in us in this in-between moment. we got to start living for, to, you know, to live right before God. He said to live righteously, to live right before God in his eyes, than to live for our own sinful, selfish desires. There's another area of our life. Are we watching these sinful, selfish desires decrease in us? become less in us as the desire to honor the Lord and to live right in his eyes are increasing within us? There's another place that we could see the priorities being lived out. And here's the good news. In that passage right there, in Matthew 6, it was telling us that Jesus will take care of all of your priorities and all of your needs, right, when you seek first his priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God. Live righteously, 
And then he goes, and I will give you everything you need. We live way too much for our priorities. We want God to bless us and our priorities. And God's saying, look, flip that on its head. It's got to be less about those things. The greater thing is to live for my priorities, he says. Will you build my kingdom? Will you serve me like Aiden is serving the Lord with his gifts, talents, and abilities? Will you serve him that way? Will you be engaged? Will you be less selfish and be more generous? Because when we put Christ and his priorities first, he says it's then that I'll take care of your priorities. It's right out of Scripture. That's in the waiting. What's the last thing, though, I want to tell you about in the waiting? In this in-between, the first and the second coming, there's another profound thing that God's wanting to do, and that's this, that Jesus will teach you. He'll teach you literally how to love. He'll teach you how to love. I mean, when you, if you have this unique opportunity, which I, I pray that all of you at some point in your life will have this opportunity to listen to the heartbeat of an unborn baby Right? And see the image of that baby growing inside the womb. Like, with the technology we have today, if you ever get that opportunity, even as a grandparent, to listen to the heartbeat of this unborn baby and see this incredible imagery of this baby being developed and formed in the womb, I'm going to tell you what happens. Your heart starts to love. Your heart starts to love. That's why when a couple, before a baby's ever even born and ever cries its first cry, and they have a miscarriage, you want to know why it wrecks them so much? It's because the love is already being birthed inside of them. Because this baby is growing and they're hearing the heartbeat. They're starting to maybe feel differently. They might even have got to the point where they felt the movement and then all of a sudden they lose that baby. And if that's you, I don't mean to do this in a way that stirs back up that pain. Please forgive me for that. I just needed to help drive home the illustration that we can love before a baby is even ever born. I mean, that's what God is doing in us. But when you do have that baby and that baby is born and you hold that baby for the very first time and your eyes connect with those swollen shut eyes, they don't have to even look at you yet, but you just hold this new baby in your arms, there's something that happens to the human heart. You want to know what it is? It melts. And you want to know what a child does profoundly? A child loves a parent unconditionally. And when you see a child run up to a mom or a dad when they come home from work, you're home, you're home awesome you know i mean when you see that is there something about the way a child loves that starts to teach an adult how to love again and this is exactly what jesus is doing to those who have surrendered their heart to him the love of jesus is starting to show us and to teach us how we can truly love others this is exactly what god's word says though in first john four nineteen, we, we love each other because what he loved us first. True love comes from Christ. In this in-between, he's, he's teaching us how to love. And while we wait, while we wait in this world that's full of pain and hurt and disappointment, God is asking us, will you learn to love others like I do? Let me give you the example of how God gave to us this example of what it looks like to love like he does. 
He did something that no mother in this room or in any of our auditoriums right now or online would do. He sent his one and only son into a world, into a world that was broken. No mom would do that. He sent his son into a world that he knew would reject him and then kill him. No mom would do that. But God did that. He did that to model a love for us. And God is asking for you and to me, will we follow him in that same capacity of love and love this world even if it hurts us? Will we love those that are in this world even if they reject us? And will we love those in this lost world like he loved them first? He sent his one and only son. Right? Will we love this lost world like he does? Because that's why you and me are still here. We're still here to receive his love and to share his love with others. That's the power of the in-between. As I wrap this up, I just want to like, highlight something really quick. When you, when you look at the waiting period between Jesus' birth and his death, you know what you really see? You see that how God was showing us his heart. In that waiting period of the birth to the death, that whole time of ministry that Jesus was on this earth, he was just going, look, guys, I want you to see my heart. I want you to learn my ways. I want to show you a new way to live. That's what he was showing us through his son, Jesus Christ. So now, in the waiting that we are in, the waiting between the first coming and the second coming, how will you allow Jesus to change your life? How will you allow Jesus to change your world? Will you allow Jesus to be number one? Will you? If Jesus isn't number one in your life right now and you're listening to me at any of our campuses, I just want you to know later on our campus pastors are going to come and they're going to give you a unique opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus and make him number one. That's coming in this service. So will Jesus be, be number one in your life? Will Jesus be allowed to change your priorities? Can he change your priorities? Are you kind of just stuck in your ways? What, what priorities maybe need to change? I would bring those to him. Lastly, will you allow Jesus to soften your heart and teach you how to love again? Something about Christmas time that really shows us the best and the worst in us. It shows us our frustration. shows us our frustration with others, but it also shows us the true love that's inside of us. And if I can say to you anything, in this season, would you let Jesus soften your heart so that you and me can love this broken world the exact way that he modeled for us? He loved us first so that we can love others. Let Jesus be number one. Let him change your priorities. And let the love of the Father so live in you that it flows out of you to impact others. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Lord, while we are in the waiting. It's not like in a waiting room, waiting for the doctor's appointment, or in the waiting room, waiting for your car to get done, where you're just kind of like stalling. That's not our waiting. Our waiting is not a, a season of stall. Our waiting is a season of purpose. And while we wait, you're wanting to do some profound things in us. Just like you did in the hearts of Mary and Joseph, you're wanting to do that same thing in us. And I think that maybe the best thing that could happen this Christmas 
is that our heart gets lined up a little bit more with your heart. And that while we reflect back on your first coming, that we live our lives a little bit more for your second coming. So would you change us in the waiting? And would you really truly become number one? Would you change our priorities? Would you teach us to love like you loved first? Help us to be those types of followers where you're truly at work in us and you're working through us so that the glory of the king would be, would be seen, so that the message of Jesus would be heard. I pray that happens in our hearts and through our lives. Show up in our worship right now, Lord, and lead us closer and closer to your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.